Hey everyone, and welcome to the Unlocking Growth Show, the podcast where we help businesses unlock the next level of growth. I'm your host, Gary, CEO and co-founder of Whale, a solution that empowers teams with the knowledge and training they need to succeed. As an entrepreneur, I understand the challenges of scaling a business, and I'm excited to share my insights and those of my successful guests from around the world to help take your business to new heights. So sit back, relax, and get ready to level up your business game with Unlocking Growth. All right, we have Philip on. Philip wrote the playbook, if you will, on success as a growth channel and the three ways to do so welcome philip i'd love for you to start by giving our audience a one minute explanation of what you're going to share with us today excellent gary thank you for having me very short introduction i'm philip wolf i'm the founder of castify and castify is a customer success platform for SaaS companies so customer success is at the is our daily bread and butter basically and you're right the idea of the majority of revenue typically comes from existing customers at least in a more mature SaaS company probably more than 80 or even 90 percent of all your revenue if you guys think about your company comes from existing customers and that means if they stay they're gonna pay you more and if they're gonna expand and use other products they're even gonna pay you even more and yeah this is the entire topic so how can customer success basically foster these relationship make sure those customers stay with you reduce churn drive retention and the expansion okay so we're gonna get into the nitty-gritty of how we can leverage customer success to 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 grow your business but who would you say is this intended to like who is this mostly going to help and what kind of impact can they get from some of your learnings i would say it depends a lot on the stage of your company in smaller companies we see a lot of the founding teams still also involved in that activity as they are involved in almost anything in the company from sales to product but also customer success in more larger organizations there's sometimes a cs leader which this is very helpful for or an entire cs team of course that basically takes care of customers based on their yeah, typically their segment of customers, as in large customers, small customers, maybe customers using a certain product or customers in a certain region, depends a little bit on how this is structured. But in general, it's those in the company that take care of existing customers. They work with the existing customers. They help them to get value in the onboarding. They make sure they adopt the product. They reach out when they are very successful for case studies and testimonials. They reach out if they are not so successful. They make sure they renew. And Perfect. We like on the show to get into a very practical mode. So people that tune in can actually take what you share today and actually go implement it into their business. So that's the entire purpose, obviously, of sharing a playbook and its contents. So with that in mind, what are the three steps, the three things or more, if you have them, that's going to help people turn customer success into group. the first very obvious one is the churn so lowering churn this is also the reason why most people actually implement customer success in the first time right if you think about your journey as a startup in the beginning you don't you care more about product market fit and all that but at some point in time you have customers and these customers say they don't want to continue with you and that's painful because you did a lot of effort to acquire them you did even more effort to make them like onboard and adopt the product and then they just leave you. So that is obviously the main purpose that most people these days, at least why people implement the customer success team or 
customer success processes in the first place. So this lowering churn is the number one thing I would say worth mentioning here. Now, this is done in various different ways. If we talk about playbook itself, you need to make sure when we talk about churn that you understand, first of all, what is, how does your churn look like? in the company, what's the kind of churn that your company is facing? Because there are several churns that require different, let's say, playbooks itself. It's probably a topic for an entire podcast, but you need to think about different kinds of churn. For example, in voluntary churn, there's churn that you can do nothing about. These guys went out of business, these guys got acquired and they have already a different solution in place. It's nothing you could have ever done to prevent that churn. But then there is the churn that you can do something about it. For example, the problem that the customers don't perceive enough value. That's the number one reason why people leave in the end, that the business value that you or your software provides or your solution provides is not enough. Because in the end, it's about ROI for the customer. They look at the expenses they have with your tool, and then they're going to look into, does that actually drive enough value for us? And when we talk about reducing churn, it's essential that you understand what does it mean to get value from your platform. And that it's essential that you help those customers that do not get the value to get this value. And this might be in the onboarding, that might be in the adoption, that might be in different stages, there might be different perceptions of that value. But you need to make sure that the customer gets value all the time, not just initially. It might be, for example, another reason for churn is the champion leaves. So one guy might be super successful in the team with your platform, knows everything, has it set up, and it's, it works amazingly. Then this person leaves the company. No one else in the team knows about your tool and or knows about how to change things in the tool. And then it's just like nobody sees the value anymore, despite it was delivering a lot of value initially. So it's all about value recognition and knowing which customers do not get that value throughout their life cycle and make sure they do, do get that. Now, how you do that, this is really... You can use a tool like Castify. In the earlier days, you can just simply make sure that you get in touch with your customers frequently and ask them questions. If you have 10 customers, there's nothing that speaks against you have weekly or monthly meetings with them in the very early stage of your company to really understand, okay, ask the right questions about, do they get the value? And obviously don't ask the question like, do you get value from the platform? It's like yeah. more like, you told me in the sales or this is why you signed up initially. How does the platform help you to do that? And then you see, unpack what is replied so when we talk about churn it's all about the, the most important thing is like what kinds of churn do you have and what are the kinds of churns that work you can do something about and for those that you can do something about i would say the one that is around value is the most important one and the number one reason that you can focus on does the customer get value if not what can i do to change that situation. Can I have a call? Can I explain them? Can I send them educational content, videos? Can I lead them to a write a blog article or to best practices, et cetera, et cetera. The list is long and it depends a lot how high touch you are in your business, let's say, in order to do that. Great. So to to summarize, first first item on the list to turn customer success into growth is obviously you look at churn and it is the low hanging fruits, I think for a lot of businesses out there. And so I love the fact that you suggest to segment basically why people churn, because in, in some scenarios, there's nothing you'll be able to do in others, you will be able to, to take action and yeah. then go and look at how you can assure that you're having recurring impact with your clients. Because ultimately, if a company has recurring impact with your product or service, they're most likely not going to churn. And then categorize your action plan, if you will, your playbook, as we like to call them, based on churn reasons. 
is going to allow you to be much more effective than just do a, an approach to all and possible reasons. And in some cases might not have any effect at all. So great first tip. What's the second thing you have for us, Philip? In most, for, or this is true for most businesses, there is at some point at least the option to expand the revenue. Okay. And admittedly, the earlier you are in your stage of the company, the most likely the, the less options you have available. But the more you think about the growth of the company, the more either modules you will add to your product or the other pricing models you might find that work for certain customers that don't do for others, like you have different pricing plans, even with different limitations and so forth. Mm -hmm. You guys all know that, right? Because you use probably tools that have exactly those things. They have a starter mm -hmm. plan, a middle plan, and they have some components that you can buy on top. So that's all about expansion revenue. That means you have an existing customer and you try to get more ACV, more customer value from that, more money from that particular customer. And that's the general topic of expansion. So the, let's say, the golden standard when we talk about churn is negative churn. That means if you think about a situation where your sales stop selling or your, your, if your product that grows, your marketing website is down, it means there are no new customers coming to you, but still your MRR, your AR, your revenue growth based on the fact that the existing customers basically expand with you and they expand more than other customers leaving you. So overall, that's what we call negative churn. So when that number is negative, that means your business goes despised. You do not add any new customers, any new sales. That is, of course, an extremely great situation to be in. Admittedly, not many SaaS companies are there, but at least you can strive to go into that direction. And yeah, as practical examples, what can you do to do that? Typically, it's about adding more seats, buying additional services, upgrading the plans, expanding some integrations, buying additional service hours or even different products if you have. Those are potential, let's say, expansion options. Um, and the key for a customer success team, at least this is the, I would say, the majority of people see it this way these days, is that the customer success team can very well carry also a quota, what you would typically only would expect from a sales team. And there is still a little bit of a discussion within the community and also there's a debate and it's worth having because there are some, there are some, yeah, some risks assigned to a customer success team also selling. However, if you really think about it, it's not so much, if you switch your mind a little bit, it's not so much of a selling, it's more of a recommendation kind of engine that you build because you are the customer success manager. You spend time, you know how the customer is using the product. They told you just now what kind of value they get from your product. And based on this, you can already see that this other thing that we have only available in the other plan would actually really help them. It's not just like I'm selling them something that they don't use or don't need. I know that these guys would really need this. So why don't I mention that, right? So why am I not the person driving that expansion revenue? So I think in order for, as a practical example, it's Im important to track or to kind of nail down the potential moments of such upgrades and upsells. When can they happen? What's your way of upselling? Is it the number of seats? Is it a plan that they can change from small to big? Or is it additional modules they can buy? What are those? And then, Find out in the conversations or in your touch points with your customers, when can you pitch those so they don't, they are not really, it's not a sales pitch. It's more like a, you really help the customer to be even more successful and it's a win-win situation if done right, meaning you will get more revenue and the customer will get more value. So that's the ideal scenario there. Fantastic. I think if I had to look at it from an outside perspective of what you just shared with us, so obviously the ideal outcome is you aim for negative churn, meaning 
I'm going to grow my business irregardless if I add new business and irregardless of the companies that leave us as a client, I'm still going to grow my revenue without doing any additional acquisition. Exactly. So I think it's it's probably a debate on itself to have a customer success carrier quota, but I think it is a valid strategy. I love your recommendations though, that if you do go that route, nail down the moments or look for data points that allow you to pinpoint when uh, an expansion conversation can happen, obviously have it then also be led by, by the customer success. And have it framed as a recommendation, I think makes a lot of sense. You want to avoid, I think at all costs, that your customer success starts to blend into a salesperson and catch his commission breath. And customers do not feel comfortable anymore getting on calls to further discuss the product and the value it has in your team. So I think coaching customer success managers and, and officers to really frame it as a recommendation and using hopefully data-driven touch points and the conversations they have obviously with the team to, to put that on the agenda is a great, a great suggestion. I think you have one more for us, Philip. I think it's geared towards onboarding, but uh, yeah, feel free to, to expand on the third item you have. Yeah, I would probably have a couple of more. For example, the onboarding one, we can go into that for sure or into, yeah, creating these fits as customers, right? So you build really relationships with them because they're going to recommend you further. They're going to speak about you. They're going to change jobs and they're going to want to work with you again because that is how deep the relation goes. But we can certainly touch on one of the very I think common... Like, uh, customers as advocates, is a, it's, a, it's an, a yeah. very interesting one. So feel free to unwrap that one. You can, we can do that. Yeah. So basically I think this is possible in, I would say most scenarios in a in extremely product led growth company where you don't have touch points with your clients at all. You also will not probably have a customer success team or the structure of the customer success team. What they do is probably not comparable with, let's say a B2B at least somewhat touch points with their client kind of business. So as soon as you have a CS team, they are typically also involved in some way or another personally to speak customer. Is that an email that I'm sending or are that onboarding calls? Those is That is something that of course differs depending on the customer value and how much time can you actually afford to spend per customer. But in the end, it's all about, if you think about it, it's like we had this example also in our case. So there was a CSM using Castify. And that CSM changed jobs. And in the new company, she was basically put there as a leader of the team. And she says, I don't want to work with anyone else than Castify. So get me Castify so I can also be successful here. And she didn't say Castify the software. She said Castify as in an overall experience. And that also very much related to the team that she was working with. So the, our customer success managers, basically. So what was happening there is that this person was very much from the overall experience was a was an advocate of your company of your tool so they will actively promote you they will open up their network they will want you again if they switch jobs if anyone if she went to a cs meeting for example as a customer success manager and all the csm was talking how do you i don't know how do you know who to talk to it was castify is obvious right so she would do everything to promote the company and if you have this kind of customers and if you can create this kind of customers that is of course extremely helpful when you think about growth channel right so because it gets you new customers open up the network and anyone who ever was involved in sales knows that a introduction runs mm. is so much warmer as a lead as an easiness to close that customer to win that customer than 
anyone that you have to approach cold or anyone that signs up to your website has never heard of you and compares you to 10 other tools. These introductions, they are just like super, super easy because think about yourself. You buy, you go out with your friends, you go for a hike and someone has some new equipment. And you're just like, wow, what is that? And that guy, that person, this is this lamp and I bought it. It's amazing. It's 400 bucks. It's extremely expensive, but it's amazing. Look at this and that. And you go home and the next thing you do is click down to buy it because it's just like you, like your friend Referet got it to you. And it's just so much trust that you don't need to look even for alternatives. There might be a similar lamp for a hundred bucks cheaper, but you don't go for it. You go for this other one because it was recommended. So that's why these customer advocates are extremely powerful and that's up to not just a customer success team i would say this is as a, as you are perceived as a company overall that starts if you have a sales team how that sales experience that works in the onboarding how did that go and that works also over time like have you managed to make these customers really really successful and listen to them and build a relationship that's what it's in the end about so so obviously you're only going to create a customer advocate if they love your product so that's where you need to start to create a product that people Absolutely. love but what are some ways in company can facilitate in customers becoming an advocate a little bit easier or how can you steer them in that direction what are some of the strategies there you can share with first of all you're right the product must of course be there on the other hand you will probably never find a product even yourself where you everything is great right there's always something where you say but this could be different because yeah it's a product built for everyone not just for you so the likelihood of you having some more needs than this product actually giving to you is almost 100% in either product, any anything you use, even Gmail, you will probably say, but hmm, this is a bit weird here. Why can I not have a different, it's built for the millions of people, not for exactly the use case you have. But the I think the key is to build this relationship, to go on a customer and to be able to educate them also. Okay, this might not work this way, but there's a workaround. You can do it this way. Ah, okay, great, excellent. So I have, it's not exactly how I imagined, but the team reached out and offered me some great workaround. Okay, works for me, excellent, good experience. So the practical thing is like to know when do I talk to a customer? Like when does the customer face a challenge? What are the options I can help them with on a constant basis to build this relationship? I think this is the key. So knowing when to talk to and who to talk to and why to talk to them, that's of course something Castify, for example, enables you. If you don't have a tool like this, then um, maybe there's other product data that you can go to, or if you look through the emails that the customer sends you or the support tickets that they create, maybe there's some patterns. So those are the situations where support tickets also like in, also in the reactive, in the reactive support department, a lot of the experience that you would judge a company is also based on that. I had very bad experiences recently, for example, with the German main airline, right? So I'm a very good paying customers of theirs and they was just like, wasn't very well treated in multiple cases. It, yeah, it wasn't even like someone's personal fault, but overall the experience is very bad. Yeah. So I will not do it again. I will go somewhere else because of that experience. And that's what you want to avoid, right? So you want to get these patterns and you want to see if there's things the customer reach out to you and they have they struggle and then you reach out say hey I understand that you struggle I talk to the product team I'm giving this the highest priority I know it's a problem for you and then there this problem persists but the, the perception of the of your customer is okay someone really cares so someone does something wow. about it it might not be great right now the experience because there's really this problem is a bug or is a feature missing but I have this person on the other hand it's a human it's like giving me the feeling like 
there's someone cares. So it's this is, I guess, where what this is about. I, yeah, I really like that as as a touch point. As the overall experience ultimately is what makes a customer love your business. Obviously, it starts with the product, but every other single touch point, even if it's not in person, but the interaction it has with your support team through chats and so on. Yeah. As long as they feel like, hey, they really care about solving my problem. That's I think what's going to move the needle. And I can share one specific experience that we've just started with can already see creating big a big impact is having customer customer advisory boards where mm -hmm. we selected different kind of customers to really engage with on a very deep level and get their advice on what goes well but obviously also on what we can improve on and really engage on that level with them and bring them in at the center of your business to let them know hey we care about solving your problems we might not be at 100% but that's our aim using that kind of mindset and mentality is, I think, how you turn customers into advocates. So those were three ways to turn customer success into a growth channel. Looking at churn was the first one. Uh, second one, focusing on expansion revenue. And the third one we, we covered was see from your customers. Philip, it was great to have you on. Thank you for sharing all of your insights. And by the way, we're a big fan of Customify. We use it ourselves. For, so for companies out there still looking for a piece of software to guide them in customer success, definitely check them out. Thanks, Philip. Hope to see you soon. Thanks, Gary, for having me. It was a pleasure. If you love the show, feel free to leave a review so other people can find it. Also, check out our blog for additional resources. Just sign up on usewhale.io slash blog. Until next time.